a number of solutions out there have actually been born out of needs from accounting practices. You are listening to Australia's tax news podcast, Tax Talks, the podcast for Australian tax professionals. Welcome to episode 167 of Tax Talks. This is Heidi Robson and thank you to Class for sponsoring this episode. When we want to streamline workflows in our practices, accounting apps play a big role. And so I looked for an expert in this area and who better to help us than Heather Smith of Anise Consulting in Brisbane. Heather is very active in the app space and hosts a very good podcast called Cloud Stories about accounting apps. So perfect to ask for advice. I started by asking Heather what the word apps actually means. What is an app? I talk about apps and I use the ref the term accounting apps and these are applications that connect to online accounting solutions. So if you think of your online accounting solution as your mobile device, maybe your iPhone and your iPhone has lots of little apps on it, your accounting solution is now a platform like your iPhone device and it has lots of options for accounting apps to connect to it. Now there are a number of different accounting platforms out there and there's a number of different apps that then connect into the accounting solutions. So there's about, probably we're talking about 800 certified apps that do collect connect into your accounting solution. And that's across a myriad of the different platforms out there. Yes. And with accounting solutions, we are talking Zero, MYOB, SASH, QuickBooks. Yes. There is a number of different accounting platforms out there. Um, in the small business space, I normally see Zero. QuickBooks Online, MYOB and Sage and sort of they're the ones that I'm sort of familiar with. So what does application programming interface stand for, API? So an application programming interface is a key that unlocks the connection. So you have two systems, um, you have two systems, and if you have an open API between them, it means the, the, the connection has been unlocked. So they can now talk to one another and the fields the information from the fields can now talk to one another. So the information may flow in one direction or it may flow in both directions through this, where, how the API has unlocked the field there. And if you want to connect an app to an accounting software, then that accounting software needs to have an open API, correct? Because otherwise the app can't connect. In terms of, in most instances, it does need to have um, an open API. There's a sort of a number of ways you can go in and connect into a solution. But typically these days we're doing it through an open API. There are things like a a registry key and you can come in the back end that way. You may also, there may also, um, the functionality within the software may offer you the ability to upload a CSV file to it, but that's quite a clunky and manual process that is doable, but quite clunky and manual. The open API connection typically me as the end user doesn't have to worry about it. It's a very simple push button connection and the connection happens or you get 
a specialist in to do the connection, depending on the complexity involved there. But me as the end user normally doesn't have to worry about thinking about what's happening there. Do all accounting softwares nowadays have an open API? Well, it's really interesting because they probably all will say that they do, but they're all at varying levels. So what was kind of quite revolutionary about Xero when it launched on the market was it made its API very open and it made it very connectable and easy for solutions. And so it arose and then solutions started arising around it because they could see that there was a commercial viability in them simply starting a solution that would connect into them. So one of those solutions was MinuteDoc, which was a time tracking solution. It was like one of the very first solutions that connected into Xero. So it's a time tracking solution. And funnily enough, the founder, the Xero founder and the MinuteDoc founder were both sort of situated in Hawke's Bay. But I thought MinuteDoc was based in the US. No, MinuteDoc is based in New Zealand. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the, the founder of MinuteDoc is Jared Armstrong. And uh, they. what was interesting was He inspired, Rod Drury, the CEO and founder of Xero, inspired a lot of businesses, especially in the New Zealand region, to start and to go, okay, we can connect into Xero. Now, of course, that has evolved and and more um, the accounting platforms are recognizing the benefits or potentially being pushed in to recognize the benefits of opening up their APIs. But what needs to be understood is not all fields and not all areas are accessible. So even within Xero, which is very open, not everything is accessible. So I think things like uh, purchase orders, you can't get the, I believe that's one that you can't get the open API and you can't connect into the fields on that. So the other solutions have gone down the path of offering open APIs and they've all gone down the path of cultivating an ecosystem around them. And if we go back to uh, uh, MinuteDoc, which I initially mentioned, it now works with many of those those accounting platforms as, as the market grew. But saying all of that, you will have a solution like Datadeer. What Datadeer is, it plugs into a QuickBooks Online or to a Zero, and it can pull down the data into a Microsoft Excel format. It's soon going to have Google Sheets format, but it can pull down the data into a Microsoft Excel format. And actually using a solution like Datadeer, you can actually get more data out of your accounting solution than you could if you actually go in and download every single report. So it's kind of the way it goes in there. But you'll still have people saying, I want this feature. And the developers will say, the API is not open yet and you need to, um, it needs to be built out. And so this is something that the technical people need to to do. The platform needs to enable it to happen and then the solution needs to connect in with it. But sometimes the platform will say, I'm not actually going to let you connect with me. So there are sort of some issues in the ecosystem where a solution wants to connect in with the accounting platform, but the accounting platform says, no, we've assessed you and for whatever reason, maybe a security reason, maybe maybe there's other reasons involved, we're not going to let you connect with us, which is kind of interesting. So it's not, it's not, I can't simply connect to it. I have to go through a sort of an approval process to actually connect in there. Okay, I didn't know that. So an API is not just an open door and anybody can come in. It's a closed door that can be opened 
if you ring the bell and pass the criteria for entry. Yeah, absolutely. As with happens, like if you actually go and try and get an app approved on the iPhone marketplace, you go through the approval process and it's quite a significant and costly rigmarole. And then with the iPhone market accounting platform, every time it updates, you may have to go through an update in your own solution to ensure that it still will work on that platform. So, you know, like when you're, you're on your mobile device and your favorite app suddenly says to you, I can no longer work on this device. You've got to wait for me to update. That sort of same thing can, can happen in the accounting ecosystem as well. Yes. I thought it was very interesting that you said all accounting softwares have an open API but the, how open it really is varies. And that was very interesting because I always just thought of an API as an API. But now, of course, with what you have been saying, I realize an API is like a door and the door might be slightly ajar or it might be wide open once you pass the criteria of entry. But it's actually not one API is the same as another API. And I think it comes down to that the API actually defines certain fields in that software that another software can link to. So, for example, a software might say, okay, you can only link to our sales and expense fields, but you can't link to our contact details, for example. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And also both in the linking and what it will enable to push in. So, for example, Receipt Bank, when it hooks into QuickBooks Online and to Xero, when it links up, it pushes a bill, a supplier bill, it, push, it extracts all of the details, it pushes the details into the supplier bill, but it also pushes the, the document into the um, accounting solution. So you can sit in the accounting solution, click a button and see the complete scan document. Whereas in MYOB, the document doesn't come in, it comes in as a hyperlink, which you have to click and then go back and see it in Receipt Bank. Mm, which of course is not as as elegant. Yeah, it's a different way of doing it. You kind of do get used to one way and then you're like, oh, why is it doing it this way? But, but uh, I guess it means the file isn't becoming as big as... Uh, I don't know. And the good thing is actually that even if you stop your subscription with Receipt Bank, you still keep the invoices in zero that you previously pushed through with Receipt Bank. Yeah, look, that's a, a really important thing when we're talking about subscription-based services. How long is the data accessible? And once the data has pushed into zero, it will absolutely stay there. But it will also stay uh, in Receipt Bank. And you can, um, once you cancel your subscription, you actually have a read-only access of any data that was pushed in there. So you can still access it in Receipt Bank for the required legal time, which I believe here in Australia is seven years. And But you can continue to access it in zero for as long as you've got your zero file going. And it's a good point to highlight whenever you're choosing, um, whenever you're choosing something, identify what's going to happen when you actually terminate the services and what's going to happen with your data. Because what some people have found is they've got on board with something and decided to leave it and can't get any of their information or data out of it, um, which is uh, makes your situation very difficult. You need to almost replicate everything that you have into the next solution. For example, Xero falls very short in that respect. If you stop your Xero subscription, you lose everything. You don't even have read-only access anymore to your files. 
Okay, so there's a couple of ways you could look at that. If, for instance, um, you had a zero file and you had it on a, a subscription, depending on the number of employees, it would depend, change the size of the subscription, and you needed to do, you needed to hold it together until the end of financial year to do your finances. There's a couple of options. One thing you could do is you could downgrade the subscription to the very lowest subscription and just keep that going because you're not going to process employees through it. So I think that for Australia, that would get you down to about $25 a month. Now, the other thing that you could do is you could extract everything using a solution such as DataDeer and then you would have everything sitting in Excel. Now, the other thing you can do is you could actually at that point in time is cancel your subscription. And the current rules around that are that if you cancel your subscription today, you still have to pay for the following month. But then when you come round to, if we're talking in Australia and we have to do our tax, say you end of financial year is 30th of June and you need to do the tax in July, you can just reactivate the account in July on the lowest subscription and do it, maybe take a week or two to do it and then cancel it again. So the data and all of the information is retained in zero again for the legal period and you can reaccess it. But no, you're correct. It doesn't go into read-only format, but you can come back in and reaccess it anytime up until I, I believe it's that seven-year period. And uh, I've had a number of, I've had many clients do that for whatever reason. And it has been quite a simple process um, and it, you can reactivate it within a very short period of time. What's the difference between connected tools and cloud-based app solutions? Or is that a distinction that was kind of relevant in the past before we had all these open APIs? But now that most accounting softwares have wide open APIs, we don't really need connected tools so much anymore? Yeah, look, I'm thinking I mean, in terms of connected tools, maybe Datadia would be referred to as a connector tool because it actually sits on your computer. It sits on your on your desktop. And it's in Microsoft Excel and it connects up into the cloud and pulls the information down. Whereas I would understand a cloud-based app solution would actually be completely sitting in the cloud and doing everything in the cloud. So I'm thinking the difference there would be connector tools sitting on the desktop and pulling the data down, whereas the cloud-based is sitting in the cloud and just working amongst the cloud there. What's your connection to Datadeer? Because I've heard you mentioning it a few times. Does it play a big role in your practice? I spend a lot of time in the management reporting and the analyzing of reports, uh, talking to accountants and sort of explaining how to or educating accountants on how they can analyze their reports. And so when I talk about that, there's kind of a, a path that I'll take them along. And I think one of the easiest places to start with is in Microsoft Excel, because for a lot of accountants starting on this modernization journey, many of them are sitting in Microsoft Excel. Um, I think there's still 30, 40, 50% um, of accounting is primarily done in that area. So I always mention it for the people who are listening in who are still there so they know if I do 
go and join, uh, if I do go and apply and set up on modern accounting solution, online accounting, I can still do my analysis in Excel and Datadare is an easy way to do that. So from there, I would then sort of suggest they then look at an out of the box solution, such as your spotlight reporting or your giraffe or your Fathom that can give you that sort of out of the box option of plugging in quite easily and you can quite easily generate some reports from that. And then I kind of go to the sort of the more in depth, which is looking at your Microsoft Power BI, which is pulling together the data from all the different connected areas and pulling that up into a dashboard, which gives you a lot more depth for your analysts and your sort of your management reporting and and, and being able to drive the business through a collection of data, being able to look at that visually and being able to move, move the business and business decisions with that information. So, Possibly you hear me mentioning data deer a number of times because it's a nice sort of place to start if you're on that journey. Horizontal versus vertical apps. Could you talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. So there's a number of different ways to talk about this, but one of the the references that people use is they say there's 800 apps and we try to categorize them. And by saying an app is horizontal means that we believe it will work with across most industries. So a solution like Receipt Bank, which is a a supplier bills and expense scanning solution, which extracts the information and pushes it into your online accounting solution, that typically is going to work for most businesses because most businesses have bills and receipts in it, okay? But then you'll have a vertical app which works in a very niche industry and I very much encourage people to consider working in a, a niche industry. So for instance, something like this is if you were, say, an accounting practice and you were specializing in self-managed super funds, you would work with something like a Simple Fund 360, which is kind of like an accounting solution for an online accounting solution with all the bells and whistles specifically for self-managed super funds. So if that was your niche, then that would be um, an example of an app that would work in that particular area. You may also work, maybe um, you're working in, you work with ballet schools. And if you always work with ballet schools, you might look at an app like MindBody, which is very good for classes, teachers, managing bookings from people coming through and can assist you in that particular way. So in each individual industry, such as tradies or retail, bricks and mortar shops, e-commerce stores, construction, there's lots of different um, vertical apps. apps. Yeah, there's lots of different vertical apps that work in the area. Um, And what I would recommend to people who are considering this, considering feeling overwhelmed, is I would pull back and identify an industry that is of interest to you to identify apps that you can work with in that industry and just focus on learning those apps. And I was speaking to a a bookkeeper the other day and she said that by doing that, she took her rate from $30 an hour to $250 an hour by focusing, moving away from bookkeeping and focusing on, on inventory app solutions, which is an astonishing growth in your hourly rate 
But what she did was she focused on inventory. So the niche industry was it was inventory, but that could sort of sit in e-commerce, that could sit in retail stores. And uh, very much um, many bookkeepers have the ability to deal in that sort of detail that's required in that sort of specialist area. Do you think it will shift more and more to vertical apps away from horizontal apps? I think that the vertical apps or the niche industry apps need to see a commercially viable opportunity to move into that area. And until they see that, then, then it's not going to be viable for them to explore that. So, so yes, but they need to, uh, it's always dangerous just to build something and assume that they would come. I very much like the example you used before about the bookkeeper who went into a niche. I can imagine that the appearance of more and more vertical apps will also force us into niches because it's just impossible to be across all vertical apps for every industry. Hence, we really need to pick a niche and become really knowledgeable of that niche. I think that you will waste a lot of time if you try and deal with everything and you will find it overwhelming. And if you focus on a niche, it makes a lot of decisions a lot easier. And people know that, ah, oh, this is the lady who works for the dental industry. If a dental client comes across my desk, I'm going to forward it to her. Plus, she she focuses and just speaks at the dental conferences. Plus, she has deep deep relationships with um, any uh, tech solution that's relevant for the dental industry. Plus, she speaks the language for uh, dental solutions and dental people. So they know what... Um, so she is so much further ahead in dealing with that sort of particular area. And it's going to be simpler. If you can make that decision, it's going to make your business a lot simpler. choose the right apps? Um, choosing the right apps is I would go about making sure they're certified with the actual accounting solution that you need them to be certified with in terms of if they're not, then they may not properly connect and they may not be um, BAS compliant or tax compliant, which is, is a major issue. And I would look to see what your peers are using. So go into forums and see feedback from your peers about what they're using and what's popular. I would go and look at reviews of them. There's a number of marketplaces that actually have reviews of particular apps. I would look to what they are actually suggesting are ideal clients for them. I would look to see what the um, security is that they have over the data and whereabouts the solution is, whereabouts the solution is based, what security there is over the data. I would look to the integration options. Is it going to give you a nice clean integration that you're happy with that's going to do what you need or is there something limited there? Look to see what features they currently have and do they meet your needs And what are their proposed feature timeline? Like, do they have that list of what features they're going to bring out? Is it an app that's going to evolve and keep updating? So some apps are constantly bringing out updates. So, for example... CAS 360, which is an ASIC compliance solution, is constantly bringing out updates. I think it releases, it sort of lists out its new updates every few weeks. It's listing out new updates in it. And 
that's really important if you're using something. It's not just I've just bought it and it's not going to evolve. It's going to keep evolving. Look to see what the support is available for now, both in terms of sales, but ongoing. So one of the things I might do is um, send in a uh, false customer query to see how they actually respond to it, to see if on an ongoing basis, that's going to be sustainable for me. So do they respond? How long do they take to respond? Is the response satisfactory? So I've actually sat down and, and sort of sent in customer queries to like a dozen apps. And it's funny because some of them never, ever, ever responded, whereas others responded in a few hours. Now, of course, if I followed up, maybe I'd have got another response, but that's actually interesting because the sales response is not the technical I need support response. Look to the feature set available in the solution. So I think I might have mentioned that. Make sure it meets all of your, your requirements. Look to see at the end which I've mentioned before, at the end of the subscription, what's going to happen then to that data? Are you going to be able to access it? How, how will the, the relationship end? And look to see what reporting and analytical options are available both within it and if you connect it with potentially some of your reporting solutions, how is it going to benefit you? towards a world where most of us need integration specialists to help us to plug all the apps together? Or do you think the apps will become better in connecting together without detailed knowledge? I think that probably a hybrid of both. So one of the things using a cloud integrator is beneficial is that they've experienced in connecting maybe one, two or three apps together And they know the best way to do it. So, for example, say say you have a uh, your name and it has an apostrophe in it. They may know, like a, a, an Irish name like O'Hara, which has an apostrophe in it. They may have an awareness that when we connect the solutions, one of the solutions actually has difficulty recognizing the apostrophe. And so we're going to connect the solutions in one particular way to minimize that issue. Or they may recognize that if we connect the solutions in this way, it's going to duplicate information. So one of the times they actually connected two solutions together and it caused all of the invoices in one solution to repopulate into the other solution, which is not what I wanted. So that was just my naivety and not knowing that would happen. And even though I followed all of the instructions, that was they, they were they didn't expect me to have existing data in both solutions. So sometimes what you'll actually do is you'll go, okay, we've got this we want these integrated solutions, but this one we're actually going to keep in a silo because if we do integrate it, it may double up on data every time something happens because of the way information is read, the way naming conventions are, the way field conventions are. So if we're looking at complexity, it may well be beneficial to get a cloud integrator in to work with you to ensure that the rollout works smoothly. 
If it's a simple solution, so I would pull back and say, look, Receipt Bank's relatively simple solution. Minute Doc is a relatively simple solution. You, when you plug them in, it's quite easy to see what's happening, etc. So the lower, probably smaller end solutions are quite simple and you're probably comfortable doing it yourself. The more complex solutions like inventory, I wouldn't be touching them without a cloud um, inventory specialist on board. Last question, custom integration. What is it? I can imagine custom integration is when you have to write specific software to get two apps talking to each other or when you somehow fill the gap between two apps with code you wrote yourself or somebody wrote for you. Is that custom integration? Yeah, you're spot on. That is what custom integration is. And and what is actually interesting is I'm speaking to a lot of accounting practices and many of them, many of the modern accounting practices are actually engaging software engineers who can write code. And then what's happening is they're saying, well, we want to have a really awesome practice automated workflow management solution in our practice. So we need you to write some code to make some of these things happen. So it's actually a cost center for the business. But what they then do is they can see their clients would benefit from having some of their solutions linked up. And so they're actually offering their software engineers, their internal software engineers, and they're charging them out to their clients And so they're actually turning them into a, a revenue center for their business. So they're actually finding engaging a software engineer is sort of being quite a neutral cost for them in that they can charge them out. Plus, plus they have the uh, technical knowledge to use within their firm, which is very interesting. And what some of these firms are actually um, evolving to do is they're putting in the solution themselves And then realizing, well, we've actually got a nice product here. Why don't we start selling it to other people? So a number of solutions out there have actually been born out of needs from accounting practices. So for instance, Practice Ignition, which is a now it's a really robust, complete onboarding solution that was born out of a need of a very young, modern accounting practice that uh, said that there's got to be a better and quicker way to onboard clients, get them to sign a document in the sky, get them into in the clouds, and then get all of the invoices automated and generating from the agreements in place that were signed up on that document and then push all those invoices out that way. So there's another solution based out of Adelaide called um, Account Kit. Again, they developed and started developing solutions within their business and sort of then packaged it up and sell that as a separate solution to other businesses. So it's very interesting. And I actually think as accountants, We're going to see a lot more of this happening, both in terms of the custom integration, but in terms of accountants evolving and developing their own accounting apps and selling them back into the um, accounting world. Welcome back. When we talk about startups, we usually think of the geeky, nerdy computer kit in the garage or basement. But when you look at the big solutions that currently dominate the Australian accounting software landscape, it is a kids-free area. Rod Drury was in his 40s when he came up with the idea of Zero, and the founders of Minute Dog, Practice Ignition and Receipt Bank, to name a few, were also well beyond their teens when they started. 
their respective ventures. I like Heather's insight that most innovation in the accounting industry seems to come from accountants themselves. Accountants trying to fix their own problems and stumbling onto a solution that helps us all. In the next episode, episode 168, Heather Smith will share more insights about accounting apps and also talk about writing her book, Zero for Dummies. Until then, thank you for listening and thank you to class for their support. Bye for now and see you in the next episode. 